You're listening to Special Education Matters, a regular podcast about things that matter in special education. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and I am the proud father of an 18-year-old boy with autism. I'm here to introduce a special series we are running on our podcast, Special Education Matters. Our lead attorney, Richard Isaacs, and others will be discussing the process and steps that happen when a parent decides to work with us. California Special Needs Law Group attorney Richard Isaacs and myself talk about what happens when a family does not agree with a school district's offer and the process of filing a due process complaint. Here we go. Now, as a parent, you're maybe not getting what you want for your child, so it's time to protect their educational rights, and that's where you're going to ask an attorney, or an attorney's going to suggest that a due process complaint is filed. And when that's done, it triggers three different sorts of uh, events. One can be a resolution, followed by a mediation, and then a trial slash hearing. Now, those things all have triggers and specifics within each, so let's talk about all those as we walk through it. So the first thing is the resolution. What is that? So whenever a parent files a due process complaint, and the due process complaint is a legal lawsuit against the school district in violation of of the IDEA, the Individuals with Disability Education Act, it's a denial of FAPE. And once the IEP process is worked through, parents have presented information, the district has offered it made its offer of services, its offer of FAPE, and there's still a disagreement. The next step, and this is what we do primarily, is we file a due process complaint. We take all the data, all the information from our experts, and we're willing to put that in front of a judge. And the district will do the same with its experts. And we basically turn it over to a third party or a judge. It's an administrative law judge. It's an administrative court, which is much less formal. Oftentimes, the hearings are held at the school district in a conference room, which is set up like a mock courtroom. So once we file the due process complaint with the Office of Administrative Hearings up in Sacramento, they're going to send out a scheduling order, and that scheduling Mm -hmm. order is going to have a hearing date on it. But also, when we file the due process complaint, the school district has to schedule within 15 days a resolution session. Okay, now, so resolution. Let, let, let me stop you here for a second. Go. So the hearing is going to be further down the road. These are things that actually happened prior to that. Like, look, can we work it out without having to go all the way to a hearing? That's that's correct. And that's the intent of the res. Right. And the intent of the resolution session and why it's built into the federal law is they're really trying to if. If the parent files a complaint against the school district, they want the school district and the parent to sit down together within 15 days. And there's actually a 30-day resolution period before the trial could happen. And they want the district to sit down with the parents and say, hey, can we work it out? Now, the resolution session is interesting because attorneys are encouraged not to go. If attorneys, if you, if a parent brings their attorney, the district can also bring its attorney. But if parent chooses not to bring an attorney, the district cannot bring an attorney. The incentive really is to have, say, the district admin, like the special ed director, sit down with the parents and say, "What are your concerns? How do we fix this?" And it's a frustrating process because parents who go to those alone, who don't have attorneys representing them. It may be useful, and, and they usually reach a resolution or they can reach a resolution. When I see those resolutions, they're not meaningful. I feel a lot was left on the table. I've never, in the 10 years I've been doing this, settled a case at the resolution session. To me, it's a waste of time. There is no point to have it because we filed a lawsuit. Clearly, there's there it's not working, and clearly there, there, there's a disagreement. But what, However, what the district sometimes, after you file, since they know you're serious, then what they come in and say, okay, we'll give you what you want, or we'll give you 80% of what you want? 
Typically not at the resolution session because okay. the district isn't vested at that point. A lot of times they won't even bring in their outside counsel yet. They'll, they'll, they'll try to work with it. Now, I'm, an, I'm of the belief that I don't like to surprise the district. So if we're going to file a due process complaint, I let them know that we're going to file a due process complaint and to see if we can work it out in advance. I tell them before I spend the time drafting it, and if they say – if they still don't come to the table, sometimes I'll send them the drafted due process complaint before I file it mm-hmm. to get them to understand our position. I, I, I'm always trying to work on an early resolution because that's going to be the benefit of everybody. The district's – have an incentive to drag things out. Sure. The longer they drag things out, that's why parents will end up at five, six IEP meetings in a year. That's why they'll drag the litigation process out. So the resolution session by statute is meant to just give the, the parties an opportunity to settle the, the case. It has to be scheduled within 15 days, held within 30 days. Now, there is a waiver option, but both parties have to waive it, meaning that, that the district and the parents have to agree. If the parents request to waive it and the district wants to have it, you have to have it. So, and it can so I guess, go ahead. But it seems like your opinion or belief or understanding is that it's better to expect really nothing useful out of a resolution. Attend it, maybe get attended by a conference call or whatever, but just, just get it out of the way knowing that it's probably not going to be helpful. Right. From our experience, it's, it's not. And I often have families go alone. Um, I often have them just go on the phone because it's something we have to do, and we send a settlement offer of what, what we want so there's no surprises, and, we, and the district can make a response to it. But we're not going to start negotiating at that at that early stage. Part, part of it, too, is if the district hasn't brought in legal counsel yet, they don't know their exposure. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it still amazes me how, how many districts really don't understand the, the law. It is helpful for them to get their, the advice of their legal counsel because they're going to look at their exposure and they're going to look at the weaknesses, areas where they made mistakes. And I've had attorneys that represent districts tell me, like, Rich, Oops. we made a mistake and we're going to fix this and we can waive the resolution session. And a lot, oftentimes in those situations, we can just work out uh, a, a settlement going back and forth with emails um, for the next two, two weeks until we get to the point that everybody's happy. Okay, so we, I think I feel like we covered the resolution, and we probably should do a show maybe just specifically on resolutions, on mediations, et cetera. But since we're doing a more of a overview, the next thing up then is the mediation. So you've gone to resolution, you're not happy with it, um, what, what, what they're offering. Again, you're saying probably go in there expecting you're not going to get what you want anyway. Then next up would be mediation. What is that about? So mediation is voluntary. Unlike the resolution session, which is mandatory unless mutually weighed, mediation is is uh, optional. It's heavily encouraged. Most cases will settle and not go to due process. Mediation actually has the benefit of getting a, a – typically they're ALJs or administrative law judges. Sometimes they're just straight mediators. But the state – will pay for a mediator to sit down at the school district with the district and the parent and try to help facilitate a resolution. The benefit of of, a mediation on paper is you do get that mediator who should really understand the the law, Mm -hmm. the responsibilities of of the district. Oftentimes, mediation is successful on the – how good the mediator is. So. Uh, You know, I if we get a bad mediator, sometimes we'll just we'll we'll not go to mediation. I'll just work with outside counsel because they also have an incentive to to settle the the case. And at that point, 
we'd rather just sit down at a settlement conference. No, no mediator, but let's just sit down and, and talk and work things out. That's an option. But okay, wait, 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 hold is, on. I, I'm so I think we might get a little confused at that point. So what you're saying is that you'll know who the administrative law judge is going to be ahead of time. You might think, oh, this person is terrible. Maybe even the district agrees. And you guys say, hey, let's just get together and work this out without the mediator. Right. So a lot of ex- – exactly. I know it gets a little bit confusing, and there's so many little um, pieces that that it can, can change everything. Mm-hmm. These are strategies that you implement as, as you go along, as you see how the case unfolds. Right. The, the, so the simple response is there's a resolution session, there's the mediation, and if you can't settle at mediation, the next step is trial. But mediation – can be very effective with the right mediator. Other times, it can just be a, a complete waste of time. And a lot of it goes into who the district has hired as counsel. Does the district really want to settle the case, or are they just going to keep keep pushing and, and waste time? And right now, currently, it, I would say about 60% of mediation is a waste of time. I am not happy with mediation. I'm not happy with the results of mediation. And the districts are just wasting our time. And, and I don't it's not an effective use or an efficient use of our time or expense for the family to go to mediation if they're just going to waste our time. So depending on who the district or what district it is, who the mediator is, we advise the clients differently on how to approach mediation. Okay. So at that level, you you don't have to, you haven't committed to going. Correct. You can see the judge and say, I oh, forget it. Let's, let's do a different route. And you're saying 60% of the time is maybe a delay tactic or whatever. It's just not helpful. Yeah, it's really unfortunate, and I've been doing this for 10 years, and it, it wasn't that way when I started. We we really enjoyed going to mediation because we are getting such positive results, and uh-huh. mediation's hard in a sense where no, nobody gets what they want, but we're able to resolve it because the outcome of a mediation is it's guaranteed, or I should say the outcome of settlement. You get a guaranteed something. So when you put it in front of a judge at a hearing, you have no idea what they're going to grant you. You you may prevail on the legal issues that your child was denied a fate, but the remedy might be just for lack of a better word, bogus. You know, okay. I read every decision that comes out, and the remedies are just terrible. And I'll call the attorney that that argued the case, and I'm and, and I'll yeah, I know you didn't go to hearing for seven hours of speech services, and they say of course not, and that's happened to us too. We've gone to hearing and gotten twenty hours of OT and the equivalent number of hours in, in, say, counseling, but that's not what we wanted. That's not what the student required. So it gets a little bit frustrating. So pushing hard at mediation, getting in settlement is beneficial because you're guaranteed with whatever you get, you're going to, or whatever you agree upon, you're going to to get. There's a, so, and the district is in the same position. They'll know exactly what they're going to be on the hook for. Um, but if you go, also, just, the judge's decision is binding then. So you, you go, and whatever the judge gives you, that's what you get. Well, at that, that point? And we can talk about that. Yes. The benefit of mediation is you can be very creative and resolution. So okay. we can get we can get private placements that the court would never grant in, in mediation. We can get services that the court would never offer or, or requested the or ordered the district to provide in mediation. Okay. The benefit of mediation is we can really have that meeting of the minds, be solution-oriented, and, and it can be a really good thing. We can do the same thing outside of mediation. And, you know, I would say probably more times than not, we're working on settlements outside of mediation and just going back and forth, you know, with the districts of council and then talking to our clients and the, dis- and the you know, opposing councils doing the same thing with the district. And we're just slowly etching towards the middle to a resolution. Putting it in the hands of a third party is really scary in a yeah, sense. You put it in the hands card. of a judge. They haven't been involved in the case. Most judges have never even been to an IEP meeting. They're just looking at the facts and they're putting, applying it to the the law and families often lose when it gets gets to that point and they may win the the trial but 
they lose in terms of the of the remedy. To to address the other piece, there is the decision and final. Wait, just real quick, when you say they may lose in terms of the trial, they may prevail or win on the. Yeah, if you're right that what the district is doing is wrong, but you'll get two hours of speech therapy to remedy. It's like no, I don't care about winning that part. I want ten hours or twenty hours of speech therapy. Well, right. And let's say a family has spent $60,000 paying for a private placement, and then the court comes back and says, oh, that's not appropriate. The district's placement was appropriate. But, hey, yeah. you, you, went on, you went on these other issues. Yeah. You went to hearing to recover <laughs> the 60000 not the seven hours of speech. Okay. And that's where it can get a little hard for families to understand. They get frustrated. Um, we leverage everything, and we're going to push as hard as we can on the strongest issues, of course. But it's always better for the most part, if you can reach a resolution with the, the district um, at, after, or, or before me, yeah. mediation. So you're saying on your own. But the, the threat of mediation then is an impetus for the districts to make movement that they wouldn't normally make? You know, recently the districts have been, and I don't know why they're taking this position. I, I think it goes back to them trying to call out parents' bluff. Are parents really going to go to hearing? So a couple times this year, we've been really close. We had our evidence binders done. We prepped our witnesses. And the Sunday night before hearing, and hearing usually starts on a Tuesday, so the Sunday before before hearing, I get an email or a call from opposing counsel, and they drastically increase their offer of settlement, and then mm-hmm. we can reach a settlement on, on, on Monday. I've gone to hearing for half a day, the first day of hearing, and then at, at the lunch break, they came to me and gave us everything that we requested four months before. <laughs> and I feel that they're just really pushing families because their their benefit is – are they really going to go to hearing? And they're, you know, it's it's about 150 hours to 200 hours, beginning a case to going to the conclusion of a hearing. It's a ton of time put into it, sure. and I think the districts are just taking that that approach of just pushing harder. So I'm not seeing mediation uh, as effective as it used to be. All right. So, but you've said that generally 90 plus percent of the cases are going to settle before they go to the third stage. What we're going to talk about briefly here is the trial itself, the hearing itself, right? Right. And, and which is a really good thing. And I think people forget that or often when they just focus in on, on the individual cases. Overall, 94 percent of cases settle. Um, and that means that for every due process complaint in California for special education, 94% are not going to, to hearing, which is a really good thing. Now, some of them are dismissed. Some of them are, are, are subtle, but they're not going to hearing. And as, a, just as, as, a, as an attorney working mm-hmm. with a family in a school district who also has, has incentive to help the child, this isn't, you know, we're, not, we're not opposing each other. We just disagree on what's appropriate. So oftentimes we have similar – we want the same thing. We want to see the students uh, be successful. So right. we can work with that. And turning it over to a judge who doesn't know the child at all, it doesn't make sense. We should be able to work out the solution with the school district. Now, as a law firm, we're not going to go to hearing unless we have the absolute evidence to support whatever we're requesting. Mm-hmm. We're not going to bluff. We're going to be able – now, we may not be able to go to hearing on every case because the family may not have the resources, but our data and our evidence is going to be strong enough to, to go to hearing. So – and I think that is why we end up settling cases right before hearing because when the when the district looks at the case and they see how strong the parent's evidence is, meaning that they have the right experts involved, they have the right data showing lack of progress, let's say, they know that it's going to be a tough uphill battle to, to win it at hearing. And that is why, as a firm, uh, you know, we've only been to hearing in the last 10 years four times. And we work really hard to settle the cases, and that's the right way to, to do it. These cases shouldn't go to hearing. All right. I think we've covered a lot of stuff, and we're sort of running a little bit long here. So why don't we stop at this point? 
Uh, and then the next show we'll pick up, we'll talk about what if the district files a due process complaint against you as a parent, which was something that was new to me. I was like, what? They're going to sue me? So we'll talk about that in the next episode. Thanks for listening to another edition of Special Education Matters. For more information, including show notes, head to our website, csnlg.com slash listen. And if you like what you hear, please uh, consider giving us a review on iTunes. Those reviews bring us lots of happiness. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and we will talk again soon.